Hello, this is Jesse. I'm a novelist. This is Eric. I'm a filmmaker. And this is Film and Color. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is our um, Christmas episode. Uh, we have another Christmas or a holiday episode for you coming up next week. But for now, we are providing you with something that is, uh, in a lot of ways, incomplete. We had some production problems on episode three, and we are giving you the latter half of an hour and a half episode. So that's 40 minutes long. There are going to be a lot of references that you might not understand. Um, and if you don't have the patience for something like that, then we heartily recommend that you move on to episode four, which will be coming out on Monday of next week. Uh, sir, is there anything else you would like to add? I'm sorry. We fucked up. I'm sorry. It was not something that we really are proud to admit. Uh, this was actually a fantastic, I mean, yeah. 12 Angry Men. Kind of, kind of vexed. 1957, just an incredible film. It really, really bothered us, but we're just going to put up what we have. And uh, if that doesn't interest you, please feel free to ignore this episode and tune into our next one, which is going to be Edgar Wright's Baby Driver. So that being said, buckle up, have a fantastic and blissful holidays, and we will see you next week. Roll the clip. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. We took a short break. Uh, we hope you don't begrudge us our short break. And uh, we were just making this observation. Uh, my colleague here is certainly visual in his memory. So we, we actually drew out... A, um, a diagram of the table, which is the way that he remembers where the different jurors sat and who they are. Yeah. Whereas I'm much more, um, uh, uh, I guess, uh, li- uh, literary, literary is not the right term, but whatever, kind of. I, yeah, I do you think about their character? I think about their qualities and I remember them not based on where they sat, but based on the qualities that they had and yeah. trying to kind of pair that to a face. And, and one of the things that is interesting that I w- is worth mentioning is Simonides is a, uh, a Greek philosopher who is credited with inventing mnemonics and the way that he says that he invented it was that he was at this dinner party and the roof caved in and he just happened to survive it and when the authorities came to ask him who the people were that were that like who basically perished in the accident he went from table to table and was able to remember to a surprising extent the the identities of the people who were sitting in that place and that's the first moment that he realized the power of mnemonics that if you actually take information and you associate it with a location that you can actually remember it better than if you try and just sit back with a piece of paper and remember individual people and who was at the party yeah that, that's how i remember things yeah, yeah. which is I, very very like, telling i'm very good at like creating a 3d world in my head where i can think about certain colors objects people and like their attributes in how they interact with that 30 3d world so like if you can imagine it kind of like a diagram and i'm like a little camera like like going through the diagram like kind of like google maps straight view okay yeah 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 Yeah, like Like taking a what is effectively a two-dimensional piece of information and making it three-dimensional putting yourself into it exactly that's fantastic. Yeah, that's I fantastic. love this man. <laughs> All right. So um, uh, we have a couple more things we want to discuss with you, ladies and gentlemen. And we always we don't want to go too long. We want to make sure to also bring you some updates from our lives and the things we're working on and just some of the col- colorful stuff so you get to know better who your co-hosts are. Yeah. Uh, but there are two more, more technical things that we wanted to talk about. Um, I'm going to ask my colleague about cinematography in a second. But I also wanted to mention, and maybe I'd like to get your feedback on this too. Sure. Um, that uh, one of the, the most difficult things to do, as we've discussed, in making a bottle episode is there is no real way to show progress in the same way that you traditionally would. Yeah. That is, on the hero's journey, the hero journeys from location A to location B, you know, Frodo goes to Mordor, and that travel also helps to signify his progression through the story arc. Yeah. And then he comes back to the Shire, and everybody is happy. The hero's journey is supposed to, well, is most easily told as a journey. But 12 Angry Men also tells the story of a hero's journey, even though he stays in the same room the entire time. So how is this done? One of the things, um, 
excuse me, I'm sniffing into the microphone. Um, one of the things that establishes this is what are known as, as the story's beats. And I first learned this uh, doing improv. Um, in improv, basically, you have a, a, effectively a four-minute scene. Some, some competitions have different rules, but in that four-minute scene, you are, um, you're going to be, in the first minute, establishing characters and a setting. Yep. In the second minute, you introduce a conflict. In the third minute, you raise the stakes. And in the fourth minute, you solve the problem. Yeah. If you don't do it this way, the scene is viscerally unsatisfying yeah. for the audience. If you raise the stakes in the fourth minute and then resolve it in the fourth minute, then there's a sense that it was too easy. Yeah. If you raise the stakes too early, there's a sense that the the conflict is going on too long. Something is wrong. The beats are off. Yeah. And this is something that as a storyteller, you have to know your medium. When I write books, I always think of the example of um, Harry Potter. For me, Harry Potter is the pinnacle of getting the beats right. Okay. And the reason that, that it's so accessible is that most people have gone to school. Most people know that school starts in September and then you are going into the fall, then you're going into the winter, and then by the time summer comes around, the school year is almost over. Yep. Harry Potter follows those beats perfectly. The resolution always comes right before the summer. Yep. And then if you work backwards, you can see the stakes being raised in the winter, the conflict being introduced in the fall, and the characters being established in the early fall. I missed spring somehow. <laughs> I missed spring entirely. But I, I hope you understand this from the context of like a school year. You can see the way that J.K. Rowling is really effectively using these beats. And it's why Harry Potter books are so satisfying. Because at any point, just based on the, the time of year, what month it is, whether the kids are doing their exams or whether they're just starting to get to know their teachers, you know where you are in the story arc. Exactly. If you... Break these rules, I tell you, you will never succeed as a storyteller. Because if you try and rewrite the book, like I know Cormac McCarthy has, has tried to do this in different ways, and they're great, they're great books. Like I, I, I love Cormac McCarthy's stuff. Blood Meridian is one of my favorite books of all time. But people don't like them. I remember being in class where people were like, you know, shitting all over um, the road. Because he doesn't hit the beats almost purposefully. He's like, fuck you. I'm going to tell the story the way I want to tell the story. Yeah. And I don't give a shit about arc. Interesting. So if you do that, you, you're you going to lose a big part of your audience. And especially if you're starting out, like, you know, I guess once you become great, you can start playing with the medium. But when you're first starting out, you got to hit the beats. You got to you got to you got to please your audience because they're coming with an expectation in mind of what's going to entertain them. Exactly. In 12 Angry Men, they have the the um, the vote which is a, an element that advances the story. You yeah. notice the progression because every once in a while, one of the jurors calls for a vote. And when the vote is taken, you see a steady progression of the story. Yeah. We go from having one non-guilty or not guilty and 11 guilty to, uh, to two. two to four. And this gradual growth helps to confirm over and over again that the story is progressing, even though yeah. we haven't moved. Exactly. Which is important because you're in a room where you can't move. Yes. Then you have moments where um, the uh, there are, like, I, when, anytime I, I, I look at one of these things, any basically any medium that I watch, I'm always trying to figure out, are we in Act 1, are we in Act 2, are we in Act yeah. 3, are we in Act 4? It's just like a habit. It's, it's not, like, if I, sometimes I try to turn it off and I can't. Yeah. So this is one of those stories that I think has about four acts and one defining moment, like one example of when you see the, the act change is when Henry Fonda's character pulls out the identical knife yeah. and stabs it into the table. That's basically like, boom, act two. Or if it was if that was at the end of act two, then act three. Yeah. It's, a, it's a huge dramatic change that radically alters the landscape of the discussion. People who had absolutely no doubt that the guy was guilty are now beginning to believe that possible. he might not be. It's exactly. possible. Right. Yeah. And these are the sort of things you have to do. Another example is uh, weather. At one point, it starts to rain. And I think that's the beginning of act yeah. of the last act. Yeah. Uh, and you can see this happen. Remember, th these guys are, ne are never leaving the room. Uh, when information is in... Yeah. Well, uh, the, the bathroom. Yeah. Why yeah. is the bathroom? Exactly. The yeah. bathroom is kind of like a, 
a vestibule off to the side and yeah. we event we see a couple moments with characters interacting in the bathroom yeah um but uh and uh, like if i was on a stage i would see that as being like everyone else still on stage but yeah they dim like the lights exactly and then there's just kind of a spotlight on exactly the corner and you see the two characters interacting yeah uh so the you have the weather you have the voting process and you have the introduction of individual pieces of evidence that are typically summed up with a vote to confirm if it's changed anyone's mind. Exactly. And this is the way that the story is allowed to progress. This is how they introduce the conflict. This is how they raise the stakes. And ultimately, the, re- the, the resolution comes together with this big cataclysmic reaction from the juror number, um, I think it's juror number three. Yep. Yeah, juror number three who ultimately rips up the photo of his son and falls down on the table with his arm down. And then we see Henry Fonda's character taking off, uh, getting his jacket from the coat rack and putting the jacket around him is just kind of to say that, hey, listen, we're all men here and we all make mistakes and you're okay, man. Like, you're you're going to be okay. Yeah. And it's just a really great, it's a very Atticus Finch moment. Old Atticus Finch, not new Atticus Finch. (laughs) Uh, So uh, that's, I just, one of the things that I wanted to touch on, telling a story like this, if you can't move the, the hero through the journey, you have to find out other tools that you have in order to show the audience that this is progressing. Exactly. So, yes, <laughs> thank you for indulging me in uh, that description. I thought yeah. it was uh, something potentially interesting important. and yeah. important, right, yeah, for, for sure. any budding storytellers we have out there. Now I want to ask the, the real interesting question to my compatriot. Sure. Um, sure, sure, sure. So, uh, at the beginning of the film, so now I'm quoting directly from Wikipedia... Um, and this is one of the examples where this is, this is the kind of storytelling that I don't understand at all. I know it affected me as I was watching it. And okay. This is something that you would be focused on as a director of photography. Yep. Um, shout out to uh, our, our good friend, uh, Boris Kaufman. Boris, classic. Boris. At the beginning of the film, the cameras are positioned above eye level and mounted with wide angle lenses to give the appearance of greater depth between subjects. But as the film progresses, the focal length of the lenses is gradually increased. By the end of the film, nearly everyone is shown in close-up using telephoto lenses from a lower angle, which decreases or shortens depth of field. Lumet, that's Sidney Lumet, the director, stated that his intention in using these techniques with cinematographer Boris Kaufman was to create a nearly palpable claustrophobia. Yeah. Did you know? Did you pick? You pick up on that? Yeah. 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 It's it's very that in conjunction with the the first and second single shots of the old man. Yes it creates it gives you like that wake up moment of like oh shit something just changed yeah you know you pull back exactly yeah so in the beginning you'll see these like you'll see the entire room and like maybe once you'll see like just one person yeah but then as it goes on you see like just one person just one person just one person and uh as a filmmaker who's done some scenes in a room i can't even tell you how hard it is to hold the 180 degree rule which i'm pretty sure you're familiar with but uh, if you're not familiar with it when you have when you have on screen two people talking there's an imaginary line between them and the camera has to stay on that one line in order for one person to be looking right and one person to be looking left so if you cross that line all of a sudden you have one character talking left and then you go back and it's he's talking right so right it looks like he's talking to himself right so in a room with a table where people are all around it, it's almost impossible to hold that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yes, indeed. How, so like I watched it at one point, and I'm trying to figure out like how they go across, and they're using like pivot points and like all these like hard like th- these rules where like you have to use one person on one side talking to the older person on one side to make a new line, and then that you can cross to the old line, and it's like super confusing. And I'm impressed that they held it so well because, like, you always knew exactly where everyone was in the room. Yes. It always helped. It helped, obviously, that there was, like, everyone had their own specific seat. Yeah. But, uh, but like, I never felt disoriented, like, wait, who, who's talking right now, you know? Agreed. I, I, I had the same feeling. Yeah. I, there was no point when there was a... I, I, actually, it's interesting that you mentioned that now because if that was done stylistically or if it was done for convenience for filming, yeah. that beginning moment, like all they really had to do was, uh, one, one of the guys was like, well, why do we have to have assigned seats? Yeah. And he's like, come on, it's just simpler. And just throwing that line in there exactly. probably simplifies the, the, yeah. the job of trying to orient the viewer at all times exactly. dramatically. Yeah. Another, another one of those moments was uh, when the temperature was hot. 
one says, oh, hottest day in hottest day in the summer, like one of those. Yes. And I'm not 100% sure of this, but my theory behind that is because back in the day, the way film worked is uh, there was a lot, you needed a lot more light to expose the camera properly. So they would have strong lights in like close to the room. Wow. So that would create sweating actors if there's long days in one room. Wow. That's my theory. I'm not 100% sure, but it's, that's what it's I'm It's amazing assuming. how that like comes together. Like it's it's almost like Star Wars-esque in that some of the stuff that they did to compensate for stuff eventually became part of like the lore of exactly. Star Wars. Yeah. And yeah, because it, it, it ends up adding to the story in the sense that you, you know, like every time you see uh, uh, Fonda like with sweat, like yeah. beating on his on his like these upper lip and you know like there's that iconic moment when the uh, stockbroker yeah has the one like, bead of sweats sweat. the one bead yeah just coming down right here yeah. and that's the first time because it's, it's, at one point he's like excuse me sir but do you ever sweat yeah and then the one so bead. I guess that guy was been changing his costume all, yeah. all the time yeah, exactly uh, but yeah it's such an iconic moment that it's like yeah. this is fine it's starting to break yeah. like he's starting to see that there's a change of his yeah. certainty might be like becoming a little bit more fragile exactly yeah that was such a great moment too yeah it's crazy and stuff. to think that it's inspired by like a production it's possible i'm not 100 sure but like i'm assuming that's it that would be fun, would be really would, fun yeah. to learn about that'd be crazy it's funny how um uh sometimes working in any kind of creative medium um you and we're going to talk about this more, ladies and gentlemen. I have a couple of really important questions from my colleague here. Sure. But um, one one of the things is that uh, creativity um, craves confinement, I think is an expression. Yeah. That if you give someone a little bit too much free reign as a creative, then they can actually take themselves down rabbit holes. Yeah. And sometimes what you need is to just be like, okay, like you're limited to this, and then they will find ingenious solutions to things within that limited space that could produce a better result than exactly. if you were to say the world is your oyster yeah. you have unlimited money unlimited time do it do it yeah and you could come back to that person 10 years later there's and, too many options yeah exactly yeah. they're like i'm still working on my first film they're like you've had 10 <laughs> years they're like oh, i'm fiddling with like the littlest, the littlest thing that is things. so like, insignificant. no one's gonna notice that bro. exactly get something out there exactly that, that's a big problem with us i find uh not like in terms of like money or like time well time actually it's it's more when you get a client you have to set a deadline right then yeah if someone says how important is this like when do you need to buy it? and they say oh like it doesn't matter like just get it as soon as you can we always say no when give me a specific date because if not it's like it becomes like second priority and then yeah. something comes in oh it's first priority and then that gets pushed back oh it's first yeah. priority gets pushed back yeah and very very swiftly you like it can also um at least in my experience, you you start to get like a uh, like the story can become stale. Yeah. For, for like for writing, I'm sure for filmmaking too. Exactly. Yeah. It becomes stale, and then you don't want to work on it anymore. Oh, 100. And if you don't finish what you start, it becomes endemic. You just yeah. you become addicted to just starting projects and not finishing them. So anytime like anytime I start one, I have to finish it. Even if yeah. I'm like halfway through, I'm like, why did I start oh, this? I yeah. hate this so much. You like, if do you it. don't finish, if you're just like okay you just set it aside it's never gonna it just be, takes one it's like yeah. crack yeah exactly it's, it just it takes just one time and you can just go down that slippery slope and exactly become totally unproductive exactly yeah it's 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 and i think that's one of the most difficult things for people who you know like sometimes people like lose their jobs and they're like well i've always wanted to write a novel and anytime someone says that to me i'm always like i want to be supportive right yeah. i yeah, want yeah, to be yeah. supportive because we creatives we need to support each other we yeah. need to 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 encourage each other to to fulfill to like fulfill our dreams you yeah. know I, you never I, know you never know what someone might I, make. of course of yeah. course but at the same time you also want to kind of caution the person yeah be like don't don't do it if you're not be, fully yeah into it. exactly like yeah. it's sort of like one of those things because because then then if, if like if somebody gets depressed because they they instead of looking for a job they decided to try writing a book and they're not actually writing they're just like yeah you know, like binging Grey's Anatomy or something. Yeah. I don't know why I picked I'm, that I'm one. doing research. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That, that's such a dangerous rabbit hole to go down. And then you can, you know, like, I don't, I don't, I just don't want to have that on my conscience, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. When you're sitting on your underwear in your TV room doing nothing for weeks. And you're yeah. Like, it's research. And you're like, and no, you're the just longer you do that, the more that person can like get stuck there. Exactly. So it is, it's, it's one of those things where you want to be supportive, but you also want to caution them against, 
Just jumping into it. Just, yeah. It's sort of like, well, you know, dude, okay, good. Do that. Write 2,000 words a day, at least every day. Yeah. Do not ever let yourself write less than that. Yeah. That was Stephen King's rule, which I found, I've I yeah. like learned about it when I was like 17 and I've never broken it. Yeah. And that that's kind of like like just one of many things that you have to do if you want to be a writer it is a very intensely like intensively and this applies for editing too if you're editing your own film absolutely it's it's a very intensive self-discipline exercise yeah that if you don't go in with the idea that there are going to be days that are going to suck like if you think this is going to be like oh this will be the easiest job ever i'll just like yeah. dump out some words yeah and and then I'll be able to like stay at home in my pajamas all day. It's like no, no, no. Wake up in the morning, get dressed. It's a job. It's a job. It, yeah. it, it is a job. You yeah. do not. You do not work in your pajamas. Exactly. Well, even even the podcast. You know, it's not. It's not just two dudes in a room with microphone. You know? Right. You know, we have to go through hours. Some, of, right. And yeah, I, I've I actually uh, as as I've said to you, like I've, I've had to do so much research on it. Yeah. Um. And I was so I'm, I'm used to like publishing text, and now I'm having to learn about like XML feeds and all this oh, yeah. different stuff. And it's like. It's frustrating, man. Oh, yeah. One little... I had to... The M-I-M-E type yeah. of a podcast for us because we upload an MP3 is audio slash MPEG. And I was putting in audio slash MPEG and it was giving me an error. And it took me four hours to figure out that I needed to put audio slash MPEG 3. Yeah. So four hours for a... One letter. A, a digit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, it is the kind of thing that uh, it's easy to think that it looks easy... Yeah, of course. Until you try it, and then once you try it, you're like, "Oh my god, this is." Well, I think I think to a certain extent, it could be easy. Like, we could literally be here just using like a laptop microphone. That's true. It's gonna be shit. No one's gonna that's listen true. to it. That's true. We kind of strive for the best we can possibly do. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So like, it could be easy. Like, you could make a children's book in three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's not gonna be good, exactly. but. Yeah, yeah, that's a very fair point. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I, I, it's funny that you mentioned that because I have been like going back and reading some of my old kids' books. Yeah. Because it's just kind of like, I, I don't know, I might want to write like a children's book one day. I know it's definitely like more lucrative than you would ever yeah. believe. Like it takes, it takes, it can take a year to write a novel and then you can be shopping it around for months. And during that time, like I, 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 I publish ebooks online, so I have a little bit of income always. Yeah. But there are really good months and then there are like really bad months where I'm like, Please, please <laughs> help. <laughs> exactly. like, I like, and I hate marketing. I hate self promotion. Yeah, but it's just one of those things you that you to have to do. If like, if you want to do it, you have to kind of just suck it up and exactly. get out there and be like, hey, like, check out my yeah. my shit. <laughs> <laughs> please. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the worst. You do feel like you're pleading sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, like I'm like sending out letters to like literary agents, and I'm just like, please, just please <laughs> me, just read a paragraph, yeah. just read a paragraph, please, because yeah. they're they're inundated with this. You oh, know? Yeah, absolutely. Especially now that with the internet, you can be like a kid in Uzbekistan, just and send, you're competing yeah. the same level as me. You can write an email to the top literary agents in the country, and exactly. So it, it's it's different than it used to be. Yeah. Um. But uh, actually, this is one of the things that I. It brings us to a good point. Have we have we covered the movie enough? Yeah. yeah anything else you wanted to touch no, on? Good. good to go. Fantastic. So that was twelve angry men, ladies and gentlemen, and now we are two very happy. Yeah. <laughs> two happy gentlemen. And we're going to transition into some different stuff. Um, so this is something that I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. Working in the creative economy, I reached out to um, no. So working in the creative economy is the title. So I reached out to a comic friend of mine. Uh, from uh, Baltimore is where I met him, and uh, and then another guy from Montreal who I met in PI when I was doing some stuff for for school. Okay. And um, I told him that I was interested. Like I it felt awkward at first, but I basically was like, "Hey, listen, I, I'm thinking about branching out. Maybe comedy is something. You know, I, stage work. I think is basically what I want to get back into. Okay. I used to do a ton of stage work, and now I haven't been on stage for years. And um, his parents apparently he, he he got back to me. His parents absolutely hate what he does. Okay. They hate it to the bottom of their souls he, he does stage work yeah he's, he, he's he's a comic okay okay so he, he goes around the country he's done a couple shows in new york and it's just it's like like they can't look at him at thanksgiving like that's bad it's it, they just hate this but he's getting some momentum he loves it and it, what um when i expressed to you that i was thinking of getting back into doing some stage work i think you encouraged me to do it but you warned i think your quote was you might not be funny the first 400 times, <laughs> which is very fair, a yeah. very fair estimate. Yeah. Uh, but um, harsh but fair is what I wrote here. I was trying to re-engage, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
So I mentioned I mentioned this podcast to friends, and I got just only encouragement. Yeah. And my buddy from Baltimore was the same when I talked about comedy. He was like, basically, I, I, he's like, dude, like I, I'm happier than I've ever been in my entire life doing this. Yeah. I'm just like every night is fantastic, and I'm just so happy. Yeah. Um. And he was more like subdued than some of the other people that I know. Like I never expected. He wasn't from the theater side. He was from. Uh, like the more of the science background side. Okay. So to get that reaction from him, I was kind of like, oh, cool. oh no shit. Yeah. That's great, man. That's awesome. Um, so uh, now in con now in contrast, when I was in higher education, um, I would I would mention to people uh, very rarely, but some of the people that I knew um, that I was um, like I'll be doing projects with like lab partners or you know different yeah. people, right? And uh, I, I mentioned sometimes, very rarely, that I wanted to be a novelist. And the doubt and the oh, yeah. dubiousness yeah. that was expressed would just inundate. It's like, really? Like, are you, are you sure? Like, it's like I just said I wanted to have sex with sex dolls. Yeah. You know, like, like it would, they, like, they would, like, are you, physically <laughs> record. Like, yeah. we, are you really? Serious? Are you, like, are you sure? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um... So no offense to any of our listeners who actually might have <laughs> sex with sex stuff. I'm sure it's great. But uh, but uh, I think that that's the reaction that I would give. Honestly, if somebody told me, like, dude, like, I actually have a a doll at home that I have sex with, I would be like, uh... Yeah. I would, vis- I would physically yeah, recall. Yeah, probably. I that mean, would be my reaction. Like, I, yeah. I would be like, okay, you just place a limit on how close we can become. <laughs> exactly. And I'm going to keep a very close eye on you. Never going to your house. Sir? Yeah, exactly. I am never yeah. going to your house. <laughs> <laughs> be like, oh, dude, like, uh, sorry, I'm just gonna go upstairs. Like, you want anything? I'll be like, like, no, I'm just gonna stand yeah, outside. I'll, I'll be back later. I'll be, I'll be right here. Uh, so that that really kind of that's the best way I could put it. Yeah. And um, all I just said was I wanted to be a writer. You know. Yeah. Now in retrospect, it worked out pretty fucking well. Yeah. I would I would certainly say that I've never been happier, and this is undoubtedly the life I've always wanted. And I don't know even know where I'd be today. If I hadn't made the switch, but it was undoubtedly the most difficult decision I've ever made. So I wanted to ask you, when you first started telling people that you wanted to be a filmmaker and work in the creative economy, what kinds of reactions did you get and how did it affect your decision to make the leap? Uh, Okay, so kind of I I do have I do have content for this. Um, I started getting serious about filmmaking in sec four, four, which was grade 10. Uh, and there was there was a switch at my school where you can either take the uh, science classes, which is like physics, chemistry, and no double physics and chemistry, or you can take three electives. So something like uh, like cooking, which is like eh. cooking sociology, yeah, sociology. Um, what else was there? Sociology, like uh, fitness education, stuff like that, like okay. different stuff yeah. of different genres. Yeah. Uh, and I remember in sec four, like I started in grade 10, I started not caring about the whole science thing. It wasn't because I didn't like it. It was like, it wasn't, it was interesting to me, but it wasn't like something I wanted to, it's not something I'd pick up a book and read about for fun. Yeah. You know? So I kind of like didn't care about it. Grade slipped and I was like, I don't want really want to do this. And my mom was very like pushy towards like you have to do the science route you have to do the science route and i was like i think a lot of people would, would find yeah. that familiar i think there's a lot yeah. of parents that exactly probably take that atti- that attitude i think it's assumed that the, the science route is the more like intelligent person route which i mean i don't agree with but yeah i don't agree with that either i took yeah. the science route and i don't i don't agree with that exactly at all. and uh so I, I didn't take the science route i took my and then like my mom's stipulation for she's like you don't take it but you have to take the more like the more challenging classes so you don't take phys ed you don't take cooking you take like okay like sociology i took like some other shit i don't remember okay like, okay the more like that was like the middle ground that you found exactly yeah. he's like okay you can you can do this but you're not allowed to take cooking exactly yeah <laughs> i'm not allowed to make cookies you can't i can't have like, like any blow off classes like, exactly I, I, yeah i took right. like i took like brain and behavior like oh my God. yeah exactly How is that not in the science that's what i'm saying i was like okay but that was interesting to me because it was like it wasn't like numbers it wasn't I, I shit know, you can I relate think to i know the teacher who i we oh, yeah. won't say her yeah. name we l.e l.e yes there yeah. we go there yeah. we go legend legend there we go. Love yes. that girl. so 
sweet lady yeah it was interesting though because to me because it wasn't like numbers it wasn't just like stuff you can't relate to like x i don't give a fuck about the letter x yeah yeah but like if you tell me like oh like this neurotransmitter will do this and this and this yes. it's kind of cool because yeah. there's, there's context like, there you're, yeah there's you're, cause and you effect can, you can visualize it you can see it exactly yes. so i took those kind of classes and then i started doing the whole filmmaking thing like and it kind of took over my school <laughs> like i would i would be allowed me and my friends kind of made a group where we filmed all this shit for the school. Yes. And we were allowed to leave class to film <laughs> shit. I don't know how anyone let us do this, but I'd literally go up to the teacher at the beginning of class, be like, I'm not going to be here tomorrow for your class. I'm going to go film like oh a my video God. a video for student council. And he's like, yeah, no problem. And I was like, what the oh fuck? Oh my God, like, that's so good. It's crazy. That's so good. That's like must have become addictive. Oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> And like my teacher, like at one point, like me and one of the guys in my group, my filmmaking group were in the same class, like the same math class. Yeah. And we said to the teacher, we're like, we're like, okay, like we're not going to be here for the next two days because like we're filming something. And he's like, okay, like just make sure you're good for the test on Friday. And we're like, yeah, no problem. Like, Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, we both failed the test. So. <laughs> but, but it didn't matter anyways because that was the last math pack class I took ever. So uh, yeah. anyways, I got to CJEP and all of my friends from... So, so just, just so it's clear. Yeah. So you already like realized at that point, you're like, um, like you, you, ha- you found something that you're good at and that yeah. was fun. Yeah. And that was... Like it wasn't you. This is not a blow off. Like you're you're up all night editing exactly videos. Like this yeah. is hard work. Yeah, but it's fun. Yeah, but at that point, at that point, like I wanted to go into the creative like kind of sector, but I didn't know exactly where I wanted to be in that. Okay. So it was, it was like possible editor, possible like director, possible this, possible that. Right. So I wasn't entirely sure. Uh, then I went to CJEP, which is like pre university kind of. Yeah, yeah. For for those of, of us who don't live in Quebec. CJEP is, is equivalent to, um, if, if you were related to like the United States, it's, it's like, equivalent to a separate school where you do grade 12 and you like, do your first year of university. So when we go to university, we do three years. You guys do four years, but we only do 11 years. Uh, sorry, we only go to grade 11 in high school. Then we do two years at CJEP and then we do three years of university. So exactly. that's that's the yeah. summary. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so in CJEP, there's it's like a bigger school where like all of the people from high school like multiple high schools go so i met up with a lot of my friends that went to other high schools than me uh that i was friends with before and like through the summer and all that shit and they all went into sciences so i was like well <laughs> great so i had classes with like my creative classes i went to creative arts like all of those classes i didn't know a single person in all my friends were in science. So on my breaks and on lunch and whatever, I'd go to the science building and hang out with the science kids. And then, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, it was it was interesting because you get to see like the different, the ways like like groups interact. Yeah. Creative arts, everyone, everyone talked about cool shit. Like just like life stuff. Like, like we're talking about right now. Yeah. You go into the science building. It's all, yo, what'd you get on this math test? Yo, what'd yes. you get on this test? It was bought. Yes. It was like crazy. You couldn't get away from it. Yes, that drove me. It's funny because I have this like that's part of actually some of the like comedy work bits that I have you know, like you know kind of I'm working on it. I'm molding it, and yeah. that's one of the things I talked about uh, after. So I, after high school, I went. I took a year off. I went to live alone in Peterborough, Ontario, because there was this place that was doing uh, cognitive exercises, and I knew I wanted to go into neuroscience, but one of the things that I wanted to do was kind of like sharpen my brain as much as possible. Okay. And I read this book about it and I learned that, um, like there were big American companies in Silicon Valley. Like, I don't know if you've heard of luminosity or brain HQ. Yeah. Like these are like multi-million dollar companies. Well, there was this lady who was doing this stuff in the eighties from Ontario. So I sent her an email and I was like, Hey, like, can I come down there? She was like, sure. So I went down there and I started to meet these kids who the, the thing that was like, like uh, like I don't want to I want to don't want to make it like because my comedy bit is supposed to be like funny yeah. whereas I'm just gonna like do it straight but basically everybody supported each other's goals like there was one kid who wasn't able to open yogurt containers okay and when he did everyone was like yeah nice yeah bro like yeah, like, we, like pat want. him on the back yeah. like we each had our own we respected our own goals like our own individual goals and then exactly. when I came back and I went to uh, I don't. I don't want to give away names, but just like my CJEP starts with an M and it's in Westmount. It's a. It's a very. It's. It's considered one of the smart people schools. It's a. It's a. Yeah. It was one of those schools where I. I like 
got a whole bunch of like response like really positive anytime basically let me put it like this anytime i meet someone who went to one of my schools i never say what school that i went to but anytime i meet someone who has they always tell me about it yeah it's it's one of those it's one yeah. of those right yeah. it's like people like, who go to oh. harvard are always like oh they always find a way to like work in like yeah. well you know when i was at harvard yeah exactly yeah right? exactly yeah it's yeah. one of those schools yeah and um uh the the thing that like really bothered me the most was that the second that i got there huge drop off in peer support yeah. like i went from a place where everybody wanted everyone else to succeed and we all like respected each other's benchmarks like you yeah. could you could be just struggling to put your shoes on or you could be trying to beat the 12th level in a really tough like brain cognitive program yeah and that's that's a great sense right there brain <laughs> cognitive program stuff brought to you by <laughs> smart a smart brain stuff <laughs> Be smart yeah uh, but it was, it was true. We like you, it wasn't it wasn't like you were trying to be the best. It was exactly. like you're trying to be your best self. Exactly. And there was none of that at, at in, in CJ. Yeah. It became it, it became competitive. It became cutthroat. Yeah. And I was able to hold my own in the sense that I was able to kind of like earn the respect of there were a lot a huge number of Chinese exchange students. Yeah. A huge yeah. number. I was totally startled by that. Um, and we're talking about like. A, a, a kind of a weak grasp of English and smelling very strongly of smoke. Oh, I think interesting. It was yeah. There was a lot of I don't know. I, back then, like it would give me a headache. Like yeah. I was at the point where I was like, dude, do I have to start smoking so that I can like sit through <laughs> class without getting a headache? Because yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's bad. So uh, the long story short, getting to know these people um, was really fun, but you had to earn respect, and you earned respect by getting the highest number. Exactly, the best marks, yeah. and um, that was one of the things that uh, you you didn't. Um, I, I I I like you're, you're talking about like science kids. I think it is kind of endemic to science yeah. education. You get so into the numbers game that you start to like base your value exactly on the numbers. Yeah, and it's also super unhealthy. Like I yeah, really oh, yeah, think absolutely. it's really unhealthy because absolutely. you don't. You, you, you can have like, like I, I had people, I had friends who would like get extremely depressed because of one bad semester. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like, you know, like you see them like rolling in, like this is somebody who was like cheerful and like rosy cheeked on the first day. And all yeah. of a sudden they're like gray and they like don't want to yeah. live anymore. And they're like, and you're like, I only got a 91. And you're like, what yes, the fuck? It was literally that absurd. It was yeah. literally like low nineties was not good enough. Exactly. Uh, and so this, this is the kind of insanity that, uh, I think like it, it's gonna have to be solved from the inside out like you yeah. no one will ever be able to tell science kids that they need to knock this off no yeah you can't do that it has to come like it has to be it has a to cultural change from the inside yeah like from the school saying like like don't worry about it like, yeah like, like we're gonna like we're gonna change the grading system or we're not yeah. gonna tell you your grades until the end of the semester some just something like that i don't yeah. know i I, I, yeah. I don't know how to solve the problem i mean ideally it's just not based on grades but that would be like honestly ideal and you know what the great thing would be there is that there are so many different kinds of intelligence yeah exactly like if you build up a team of everybody who got 95 and over yeah that would be the shittiest team ever yep. because they're not probably team players no so you're not going to get good idea exchange you're probably going to have a lot of people who are disorganized yeah it's just win for yourself kind of thing yeah yeah every man for himself yeah, it's, I'm really glad you mentioned that because yeah. it's one of those things that when you're in it, like when I was in it, I just kind of like put my head down and was like, okay, well, if this is the culture, then I'm going to adapt to this culture. Yeah. I have no, I had no idea, intention of changing it. Yeah. But you can't, it's not good for you. It's, no, it, it was yeah. really bad. It was really yeah. bad. Like not just for me, but I think because I, I was able to get kind of by on a, a large amount of natural talent. Like okay. I could just study the night before and pull off great marks the next day yeah and that's not something that was under my control you know that's not yeah. like a that's not something you can it's not a skill that you've no, developed yeah. it's yeah. just if anything it's a bad skill because you yeah because it, 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 it discourages you from working hard from yeah. working hard and you also fuck over everybody on the grade curve like on the grade curve yeah. right because every time you get a high mark you basically lower their marks yeah so there was that but then there's also the fact that like one of the most fun parts of life, like when I was when I was in Peterborough, the most fun part was getting better, watching that slow progress. Exactly. Day by yeah. day, you know, like yeah. you start off at level one and then you're at level three and then you like push yourself and push yourself and push yourself and you get to level four and you have this moment of like yeah. euphoria. Yeah. It's a visible change versus a change of a number on a paper that you're never going to see again. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then the thing is, you, you you have a class for a semester, right? So yeah. like mechanics is a semester. And then you don't touch it 
And then you take Mechanics 2 like a year later, which means you've forgotten yeah. a lot of the stuff from Mechanics 1 yeah. at that point. And so it becomes like an exercise in futility. Yeah. Like every time you push the boulder to the top of the mountain, it rolls down the other side. Yeah, and then you have and to now push you're it up a, twice you're as Sisyphus, high. right? You're yeah. just like going up and down, rolling exactly. this boulder. You don't see any progress. Exactly. Really good point. Like yeah. I'm really glad that we discussed, for our listeners, if those of you, maybe if there's somebody who's listening to this who's studying for a big test, keep studying, you know, work hard. Don't, don't just like throw up your hands and be like, ah, oh, the system is futile. I give up. <laughs> but uh, we need, you know, we need our scientists, we need our engineers, we need our mathematicians. But make sure um, it's what you want to do. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Go easy on yourself, and also when you're seeking out advice, yeah, make sure that you go to the right people because there are a lot of people who will, um, I don't know, more delicate well, like, way to put it. like a lot of people who shit on your dreams. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. And it's it's not necessarily like this comes back to twelve angry jurors. It's not necessarily because your dreams are bad. No, it can just be like natural prejudice. Yeah, just coming to the table with a preconceived notion of the way things should be. Yeah, or or just the that's it. Kind of the just the the natural tendency of people to get stuck in their ways of thinking and anything that deviates from their way of thinking they see as being bad. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, to go back to your your question there, uh, if I was if I was kind of given the stink eye when i told people i was in the creative arts fucking every day every time i was in that science building i'd get asked like were you like, re- you oh dude really not even joking like it i didn't you you can see the visible change on someone when you introduce yourself they're like hi like i'm jake and you'd be like oh i'm eric and they're like oh like what do you study and they'd say oh i'm in like engineering and they'd be like what do you study and they're like oh, i'm in like media arts and they're like oh cool and then they'd like kind of contempt like they would like kind of like they'd, they'd like, be like, like oh well you're not worth it you're yeah, not worth talking they, they'd to. almost assume you're an idiot right there and then like you'd it's see so them cunty. like visibly kind of move away from you and not want to talk to you it's which so, is it's really surprising so but like anno- it's so frustrating because having come from that place yeah like there's such broken people there exactly. like they're not it's not yeah. like it's not like they're, you're like like um it's not like you're like a mormon and you're really happy in your faith and you have a great family life and things are working out for you and like this, your religion works and you're like hi i'm a mormon and the other person is like hi i fucking hate mormons and yeah. you and could like, like oh, reasonably withdraw f- yeah and be like oh well i'm not going to talk to you just yeah. be like oh god you're not in sciences yeah is it even worth can you even speak can you understand exactly. english yeah exactly yeah exactly it makes <laughs> you just it, it was uh, it was very like discomforting because like then i don't know what to do because i'm like i'm kind of being like, judged oh, like, on did my I say daughter. something wrong yeah exactly. i'm pursuing like, a different okay like i'm not it's almost like i wasn't even supposed to be in the building because it's like oh, i'm not God. one of them and it was bad but like i mean now i'm kind of i have the upper hand on them because when they say like oh what do you do i'd be like oh, i'm like a cinematographer and they're like fucks that <laughs> and then i'd explain that <laughs> I'd explain that I'm 21 and I'm just fucking finished the ep- the first episode of a TV show my company's producing, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, cool! I graduated this like this year." And I'm like, "Cool, what are you doing?" They're like, "Still haven't found a job yet." I'm looking like, for a job. job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or even worse. Like, like, oh, oh, oh! Yeah. Not so not I'm, so high and mighty yeah, now. Exactly. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> oh man, yes. Yeah. And the thing is, like, uh, kidding aside, like uh, I have a friend who. Um, he's, so he, he, I think he has a degree in chemical engineering or it might be something different. Uh, but, uh, he is struggling to find a job and he apparently he's going to have to move to like somewhere in Asia, potentially yeah. somewhere in Germany The that like the market yeah. you're, you're told like, Oh man, if you get a degree in sciences, like you're going to be set for life. Exactly. You're going to get a job like no. right out of college. It's not, it's, the economy just doesn't look that way exactly anymore like you have to you have to be a little bit more versatile yeah in but that's the thing it's it's different for that if that's what he knows he wants to do like if yeah i agree i agree if he knows that then no problem i'll move to germany no big deal yeah but if it's like oh i got this degree now i have to get a job in this field yeah because or else i'm fucked yeah then like eh. it's funny because because uh, I think part part of the reason I'd never ever tell people where I went to school like even if they ask me I'll just kind of be like oh this is the uh, actually the uh, after school? high school I went to not just Cija but also university okay like I'll, I'll like they'll ask me sometimes and I'll just kind of hit them with like oh after high school I went to a special needs institution yeah and they'll <laughs> like they'll be like oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go over there and drink now yeah exactly right and so it's like the it's the I I love the reaction I love yeah. everything about it yeah. Uh, but, but I think part of the reason I stopped doing it is that sometimes I would say it innocently. Yeah. 
and the, the the reaction from the person would be like, "Oh, well, like you stuck up asshole, you didn't have to tell me that." Like I don't. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. like it's like I was saying like, "Oh yeah, I went to Harvard," but I I'm just kind of actually saying it in a yeah. like just like you like, asked me. Oh I'm yeah, it's raining today. Like yeah. it's it's raining today, and that's exactly. Where, and but that statement is can actually like hurt a lot of people because they're like, "Oh well, you must think you're better than me." Yeah. And it's like no. I just, You're like no. Like I, I, I. Do you understand how fucked up so many elements of my life were? Yeah. Like during those periods, like I was miserable in some of those places. Yeah. It was not. It was not at all the life that I wanted to have, and I'm way happier now doing what my former colleagues would look at me like I was. Yeah. From a different planet when I said that I wanted to do exactly. what I currently do. I'm curious though. Did the, did you think the special needs school helped you, or like, do you think it like, like. It was, I would definitely include it. Like if you were to say, what were the top like four positive experiences in your life? I would put it in the top four. Interesting. And what, what was it like being there? Like, um, it was first of all, my first taste of independence. It was the first time I lived away from home. Okay. Um, which was really positive in terms of, uh, like I, I got to know a lot of different people. Like I met, I, I did a couple of volunteer things. Like I did a dance competition. Like I learned how to dance That's awesome. for, to raise money for cancer. Yeah. Uh, and I met a whole bunch of doctors who I still talk with now because it was for, it was like with the hospital. So it was called dancing with the docs. Okay. Cool. So I was one of the dancers and I was paired with the doctor and then I met a whole bunch of other ones yeah. and they were miserable too. Just by the way, <laughs> some of them were my, my partner was not, she was a really happy lady and she had her life all together. Perfect. But some of the others were not, interesting necessarily in the best place and these were guys who were pulling down like 650 grand easy a year we're talking cardiologists at the top of their field yeah and it was just it was it's it's one of those things where um like if you don't get to know some people then it's very easy to look in from the outside and be like oh i want to be in there yeah like i would only be happy if i was in there i personally am of the opinion that um like if you think that if you're not happy now and you think that if you were wealthier then you would be happy finally yeah. you're going to get disappointed yeah well uh, maybe well i'm not saying that wealth yeah. isn't important like yeah. i i do like i think fear of poverty is a treadmill for me yeah. i don't want to i don't want to be poor me so yeah. i don't like so there'll be times where i like i'm like lazy yeah and i i kick myself out of it because i don't want to grow up and struggle yeah but at the same time it's not the end all be all Exactly. Happiness. Yeah, you don't you don't get a million bucks and be like, it's it, I'm done. I'm done. GG. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm happy. Like yeah. there's a there's an element to life that's creative. There's an element to life that's romantic. There's yeah. an element to life that you need to expand your horizons. Like you can get stuck in your ways and be miserable just because you haven't had new experiences in a long time. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's 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 not that simple. But at the same time, there are a lot of people I know from my own experience who will often blame it on that. Like they'll, they'll kind of like be at the, like kind of like at a, the few times I've gone to some bars where I've met some people, there's a lot of, I don't want to say whining because that's kind of harsh, but it's like complaining. Yeah. Com- complaining that they, they can't find a job that pays enough. Yeah. And that's why they're miserable. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's possible. That's contributing to your misery, but it's not the only reason. Yeah. There are a lot of other things that can, like you can be fairly broke and still be happier than a guy who is in a dead end job that he hates, but is pulling down exactly you know six figures. Because at the end of the day, you're still working eight hours, and those eight hours are miserable. Yeah, and that's your life. Yeah, like that. That is your, your the weekend is not your life. Your exactly. life is the eight hours from the time you wake up to yeah time it, you. There's like some some like weird quote that's probably on some like Facebook meme that's like, uh, or I think it was actually it was like a Montreal thing. It was like work work for the weekend, or what was it? Uh, fuck. It was either like work for the weekend or... Kind of like a little like live to work or work to live. Yeah, of. yeah. Like that thing, like live for the weekend or work for the weekend kind of thing. Like yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what it is. But like it hits home because like if you don't love what you're doing, like why the fuck are you doing it? But, I, I understand like I understand where people are coming from when they're like discouraging their kids from going to the creative economy because I know for a fact that it's easy to jump into it and not realize how hard it's going to be. Absolutely. There's a lot of people who think that like this is their this is going to be their like ticket to easy street. No. It's not. It's not it's not even doable I think if you don't have like tough enough skin to be able to get through the the lean. Yeah. The lean days or the lean years. You, you know? know what it is, though. I don't think it's not even it's not even like money for me. It's more 
you have to be able to self-discipline. Yeah. I think I think people in the creative arts have a lot more self-discipline than other people because if they don't do if they don't discipline themselves and do what they say they're going to do, yeah. you're not going to do anything. You don't have someone on top of you saying do it, do exactly. it. Exactly. And as you you put it you put it perfectly because uh like coming from a test background where predominantly most of my classes were basically like I think most most of my classes definitely by the end 80% of my mark was the final exam yeah which makes no sense no sense place. at all but yeah. logically that's the stupidest thing in the world yeah but it worked for me because i was studying i was using like a program to study so i would study every day so i was like i i could like there were times when like i i would be like oh, i really do not feel like going in for the quiz whatever i can throw away 2% yeah right but if you're if that's the way you're training your brain to think then you're not setting your own deadlines. Exactly. You're having your deadlines set on you. And the first thing that you need to do if you're going to work in a creative economy is not only do you have to set your own deadlines, but as you, you put it, you have to ask your customers or yeah. your clients for deadlines. Like if they're like, oh, no, no I'll, just, I'll get back to you in a couple of months. Be like, no, no, <laughs> absolutely not. You need to give me a hard date. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that date is like, you know, like with a time associated exactly. with it. Like, yeah. do you mean midnight on December the 6th or do you mean 5 p.m. on December the 6th? I need a hard, hard deadline. Yeah. And if they don't give you that, you have to make it yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's what that's what we do in, in our office now. We have a big board with every single project, the so exact good. deadline and who's working on it. And who's that's working so, on what's so good. It's, it's so Silicon Valley too. I, I yeah, love yeah. this. It's crazy because oh, like... I'm so excited for you, man. It's, it's hard though because at our age, it's like... People don't take it seriously. Obviously. Yeah, do you face a bit of a kind of oh, age-related prejudice? It's not in like not at the start. Like when you first meet someone, they're like, "Oh, like you can see they're kind of like, does this person really know what they're doing?" Kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, it's like when you're a young doctor, people are like, exactly. how, "How can you be? Aren't yeah. you a little young to be a doctor?" Exactly. So we we face that. That's why we all kind of have beards to help a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yours is quite glorious yeah, here. I must I must tell you, I like, I like the trim. Um. Yeah, so it's it's we have to like pretend to be older than we are all the time. But like we get we have a certain like maturity to us just because we have to deal with people yeah. that are older than us all the yeah, time. Yeah, we we've spoken about this before. How sometimes like we feel out of like both of us feel a bit out of step with our peers, like people our age, because yeah. there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people our age who are still I don't want to say don't have their shit together, but who are just a little bit more. No, they're just following the school the school times. Yeah, they're like a little bit more comfortable kind of spending time that we would be like, okay, no, like, shouldn't we like get to like do, do something? something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, are yeah. we, are we like still Wasting just time. hanging around? Yeah. Like, don't. Like, stop drinking. <laughs> yeah. Like, stop I'm it, like, I'm itchy. Yeah. I'm itchy to get something done now. Like, exactly. I, you know what? If you guys are going to keep hanging around here and smoking bowls, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to peace because yeah. I, I, I have work to do. <laughs> I have, yeah, exactly. I have yeah. to get up early tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, it, it's, it's hard in that sense, but uh but you're able to you're able to bluff. Right? Yeah, mo- the the issue with our current. <laughs> you can start wearing a wedding ring. <laughs> <laughs> that would <laughs> it'd be like this guy's insane. <laughs> uh, the the issue we're currently having is is just telling clients like our prices. Oh really? You oh, feel it feels gosh. a little bit awkward when you have to do that. No, it's not. It's not like we we don't have a problem saying it. It's just like their reaction to it. Like they're not ready for it. Because like when you ask, when you ask like a business owner who owns like. A multi-million dollar company for the amount we're asking they're like how old are you again and they're like wow and they're like well "Eh." at least at least i like because we're not going to talk numbers on the podcast but at least i know from it's and i don't i don't know the numbers either ladies and gentlemen to be clear that's that's the business's business but yeah that's indeed that's what that's the cost of doing business like exactly you know you as you as you've told me many times um i don't know if we've mentioned this on the podcast yet but Every time you get a new job, just because there's so much data storage required, one of the first things you have to do is go out and buy yeah. an external solid state drive. Absolutely. Just so that you have a place to store all of the content for your client. Yeah. Those aren't cheap. Absolutely. So not. that means right out of the door, that's a an expense that you're going to have to swallow. And you're not a charity. This is a, exactly. a for-profit company. Yeah. So people don't understand the cost of doing business. Yeah. They're totally, they're virgin to it at first. Yeah. So when you ask them for that amount of money. Yeah. Their their attitude is like, well, what are you guys like? Yeah, what are you doing? Doing with it, right? Yeah. Like, I we thought it would be like a couple couple hundred bucks. It's like, it. are you kidding me? Yeah, it's a couple hundred bucks for me to get out of bed. Yeah, I mean seriously. Yeah, yeah you have a skill and you deserve to be paid for your work. That's yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's very um. But that that comes with the 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 
the kind of assumption that all creative arts is, are easy, you know? Like the whole, like, oh, yeah. I'll just jump into this. Like, oh, yeah. it's not going to be an issue. Yeah. It's fucking difficult. Like, yeah. And yeah. like, I mean, it could be easy. Yeah. But the well, way we work is high quality. That's why I tell people that, that like, um, you, like a, a, an original book contract can like run $100,000. Like yeah. if you're for, for a novel, even like a first novel, you can get up to like a lot of money. Yeah. And people are like, are you kidding? And, and they're, you're like, hey, hello, you're not getting paid for months on end. Yeah. Like I, my, I have my, my drip drip income from my like eBooks. Yeah. But that's not like, that's not factored in when you're, when you, when a company buys a book, a yeah. novel for publication, they're factoring in all the months it took to write the book. Exactly. So they're, they're looking at it like I just won the lottery. Yeah. But it's like, nah. It's like, no, dude, that's what I was getting. Like, I was just waiting to get paid for all those months. Exactly. All the months that you're getting the $2,000 a week, I'm getting like 40 and then nothing, 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 yeah. nothing, nothing. Well, uh, not quite. <laughs> no, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> oh I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, in a year. Worst kind of week thing. ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah. indeed, that it's kind of, uh, it's one of those things that you don't, like when you're reading a novel, it's really difficult to see how long it takes. Like you, we always hear these stories about people who are like, "Oh yeah, I wrote a book in three weeks and then I sold it for, you know, five hundred, like Limitless, right?" Yeah, yeah. Which is a great film, but yeah. it portrays this idea that you can just sit down and pen a, a book that will make you kind of set for life in, in just a couple hours, weeks yeah. if you were smart enough. Yeah, which is fair point. Like I'm not saying that I'm. It's theoretically possible. Theoretically possible. Absolutely. I'm yeah. sure it's been done before, but yeah. at the same time, not it's, realistic. It's, it's one of those things. If you want to make a career out of something, like you're going to have to, um, in, you're going to have to enjoy the work yeah. and it is work. It's not a, it's not a, it's not winning the lottery. You, exactly. you do have to wake up every day and grit your keyboard and come up with something to write. And that's yeah. not always easy. And you're still, it's still a job. So you still have to expect to be paid for that day of work. Exactly. Even if the money is coming in one big installment. Yeah. Like a couple months down the line. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's a scary thing when uh, you don't know if that's coming. Yeah. yeah. It is. Actually, that's why the internet is so good because um, kind of helps to staunch the wound a little bit. Yeah. Because you get, at least you get that iTunes check and you're just a little like, you're like, like oh, okay. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can keep it. I can keep it going for a little longer. It's a, it's a, a little it's longer. Yeah, we can mention maybe a couple of uh, different, just random topics, just because we, we love we love chatting. Yeah, sure. Um, what is your? <laughs> this is funny. Oh jeez. What is your stance on wipes, like transitions between scenes? Oh. Uh, like Star Wars like, is famous for them. Like, like I, Star Wipes. I can think of other <laughs> a couple other movies that use them. Yeah. Uh, they, I think they went out of style maybe like in yeah. the early 90s. Yeah, pretty much. They really went out of style. Um, and How do you think that affects story? And also, what is your stance on Fade to Black and Fade to White? Uh, wipes, I can say, if it fits the story, do it. Um, if it doesn't fit the story, don't do it. Uh, if you don't know if it fits the story, don't do it. <laughs> uh, or if you don't know if it fits the story, figure out if it fits the story and then do it or not do it. It's like a very specific tool, right? Like That's it. it. Can, it can be... Yeah. Distra- like, it doesn't... I never distracts me in Star Wars. Exactly. Because it fits. Yeah. And if, we were talking about creative confinement before. Actually, part of the reason, apparently, that they did the wipes is that there were scenes where the camera would actually catch... Like, um, there's one famous scene with, like, a Tusken Raider where the camera was, like, panning up and it started to catch, like, a... Lens film play? equipment or something okay. and so they like what they wiped it okay so that you wouldn't be able to see that as it was happening there you go so it's it's they, they were doing it out of convenience and then it started to become like a trademark of the yeah of the series um it works i remember lego batman is like um he has a it starts off with um will arnett who's who does the voice for lego batman going all great movies start with a black screen <laughs> it's true <laughs> and then and then at the end of the film, he goes, all great movies end by fading to white. <laughs> that so, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, 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 I couldn't think of any examples yeah, me neither. either. Yeah. Um, but uh, fade to black and fade to white. Have you ever seen it overdone? I know I have. Oh, absolutely. Cross dissolves? Oh, cross Oh, God. <laughs> those, those are painful. But at the same time, like, I, know, I know a company that, that I'm friends with, like the guys who work there, and like, they're adamant about not using cross dissolves anymore. Interesting. And me and one of my friends. So, so just so our audience knows, Across Dissolve is actually it's in Twelve Angry Men. Um, yep. The right after you, we we are we are introduced. It's the only vision we ever have of the defendant, and basically you have 
the ima one image that you see on the screen. In this case, it's his face. And then uh, that, that, that image becomes more transparent and fading in behind it, overlaid, is the, an image of the table, the juror's table that they're going to be deliberating over. And they actually hold it for yeah, a, long a period of time. Yeah, a long time. Just to kind of almost like make the case that this person's life is what is going to be decided around this table. Exactly. And then it finishes the cross dissolve. His face fades out and the table becomes fully solid. Yeah. So there's no, there's no ever, there's not ever any like black screen. It's just one image goes into the other image effortlessly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so this company that i'm friends with they don't ever use them and me and my friend we don't agree with that just because sometimes you do need a fade like a straight cut sometimes just feels like jarring you know it's like oh i fuck. agree yeah i agree sometimes you just need the like the ease in even if it like it doesn't you don't see it and you're like like oh that's jarring but like something feels off you know i think like a good cut is supposed to be seamless that's exactly. sort of the purpose of it's like you call it a cut but what you're really trying to do is trying to take two different or at least it used to be two different reels of film and, and make them look like they were One. always meant to be together exactly and so if you do that in a way that the audience notices it that's not good i know one of them i think is from jupiter ascending Okay. There's this moment where it fades to black and it just looks like a TV show. Like, yeah. you know, like they fade to black and then they go to commercial. Yeah. It's just so jarring and it's so noticeable. Exactly. And that's not the right way to do it. If yeah. the audience notices exactly the, the fade yeah. or the cut, that's not a good cut. Like, can you imagine, can you imagine someone waking up like violently, you know, and you have like their eyes open and goes like, <gasps> and then it's like a cross dissolve and you're like, what? Like yeah, cross dissolve is like an ease. Feel you know? so wrong. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's that's a really good example. That's one where you have to have a strong cut. Exactly. It, basically, if for most like filmmaking, if the audience like notices it, you've done a bad job. Like VFX, big industry, where if the audience notices it, if it doesn't look real, it's, yeah, it's a bad job. It's a, it's like a bit like a theater where if if the audience notices the backstage manager, or like any of the the like the hands, exactly then they're not doing a good job. Their exactly. job is to be unnoticed. unnoticed and to just let the, fl the, the flow of the show yeah. go smoothly. Exactly. It's funny because um, it's such a, like, I don't know if it's, I'm, I'm just like a media, not, not me, I was going to say media, W-H-O-R-E. I just don't. Spell. <laughs> For all of our audience members who can't spell, you don't know that if I just If you are swore. over the age of 18, you're allowed. If you're under I the age of 18, live right now. Um, this is illegal. You should not be here. <laughs> Um, you have made a grave mistake. <laughs> um, I have, um, uh, I have, I don't know, a compulsion where I just like, I, I don't like a thankless task. Like I like to, if I'm going to make something to like have my credit associated with it. Yeah. So for me, it just goes so contrary to my nature to like be a stagehand. Okay. Where it's like the main, like you've, you know, you've done a good job if no one knows that you were there. Yeah. To me, it just, I don't know. Am I like an egotist? It just... I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> just for me, like, for me, it's like when it, you see something just pulled off effortlessly, even if I wasn't seen doing it, I just feel the satisfaction. But of that's it. because we know, like we know our. Okay, no, no, I see. I know. I see. I see. The, yeah. I see your point. I see your point. Yeah. I see your point. Like that's it, true. Like in terms of in knowing terms you of, did a job well done, you don't need anyone else to know. Like anyone who respects what I do will notice that I did a good job, Indeed. and that's enough for me. Indeed. Like, if you see a lighting style and you're like, that's fucking sick, you don't have to, like, say... You don't have to know that it, it's sick. Like, you just subconsciously know that it's sick. I see your point. It's you know sort of like, the people the people who matter will know. Exactly. The people who, who know how hard the craft is to pull off will know. Will be like, and how? those are the ones that you ultimately care about. Exactly. Like, if, you can, yeah. if you can confuse or, like, impress another filmmaker, like, you've kind of won. Because it's like... Indeed. They're jealous of you in a certain way. It's weird how much actually kind of our, our because we both work in this, this industry that we, um, a lot of the time, like that's not our main audience. No. Like I know I've written a good book. If someone can just like pick it up from cover to cover and put it down and just be like, oh, I don't need them to explain to me like why it was good. Exactly. In fact, if they are like a little bit too focused on like different elements in it, then it's not good. Yeah. It's it's not smooth. It needs to be like a delicious meal. Yeah. You don't have to know how it was cooked. You just have to know that you put it down and you just like undo your belt and you're just, oh, yeah. I hit the spot. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I guess uh, uh, just right before we, we wrap it up, 
if there is anything that you, our listeners, would like us to discuss, feel free to email us. That's at uh, filmandcolor, C-O-L-O-U-R, podcast, at gmail.com. You can also comment on iTunes. Um, as we said, this is going to be a weekly podcast, bi-weekly, if we can't manage it because of our competing schedules. Um, we love you guys for listening. We have such a good time doing this. It would be pleasure enough to just sit down with my cousin and colleague here and just talk about this stuff, even if we didn't have you with us. But I, we think you add a certain spice. And hopefully it'll be interesting to some of you and we can provide some insight to young creative people who are interested in uh, working in the alternative economy, as it were. Absolutely. Um, if we can inspire one person to maybe join the loser group, yeah, join the, jo- join <laughs> us in in the in the ones who are sneered upon by the science kids. That's the one. That will be uh, one enough. That will be more than enough, in fact. Um, uh, so, uh, if there is nothing else, sir, I think we will sign off. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. This is Jesse, Eric. Take it easy. See you next time.